Today, we made the author Andrew Sean Greer. I think this is why I picked this book. It's not the getting married point anymore. That's when you're in your early 30s. I'm almost 40. I'm at the getting divorced point. And it's been very interesting to me to see all these couples that I thought were together forever. It's suddenly everything changes. And the day before, they were saying, oh, it's going to be wonderful. We're planning this trip. The next day, they say it was over for years. Andrew Sean Greer became a best-selling author with the title The Confessions of Max Tivoli, which sold millions of copies around the world and was named the best book of 2004 by the San Francisco Chronicle and the Chicago Tribune. Greer initially studied writing at Brown University, later worked in various jobs in New York, before completing his studies at the University of Montana. His first novel, The Path of Minor Planets, was published in 2001. His short stories collection called How It Was For Me, was published to wide acclaim, and his stories have appeared in Esquire, The Paris Review, and The New Yorker. Greer's latest book, The Story of a Marriage, has been described by the New York Times as ascending to the heights of masters. We think we know the ones we love. Our husbands, our wives, we know them. We are them sometimes when separated at a party, we find ourselves voicing their opinions, their taste in food or books, telling an anecdote that never happened to us but happened to them. We watch their ticks of conversation, of driving and dressing, how they touch a sugar cube to their coffee and stare as it turns white to brown, then drop it, satisfied, into the cup. I watch my own husband do that every morning. I was a vigilant wife. We think we know them. We think we love them. But what we love turns out to be a poor translation, a translation we ourselves have made from a language we barely know. We try to get past it to the original, but we never can. We have seen it all, but what have we really understood? Author Andrew Greer, reading there from his latest book called The Story of a Marriage. I spoke to the author during the recent Berlin Literature Festival where Andrew Greer was presenting a series of readings and asked him if he was surprised by the international success of his last book, The Confessions of Max Tivoli. I was used to a book being published and having a great silence in the world and you just continue working. No one no one buys them, no one reads them. It's fine, that's how it goes. So it was a huge shock that people were reading that book, especially in Germany, to arrive and see it show up on bestseller list, to have everyone want to interview me, and I knew I should just enjoy it. Meanwhile, of course, I had to get back into the rhythm of writing another book, and I think that was really the hardest part, is to get back and not be distracted. The next book I wanted to write, I actually wrote a lot of and then threw away, um, and then then began, began work on Story of a Marriage. And you have to think about, well, now what is what do people want to read now that I have people actually reading my books? And you can't think that way. You have to write the book you want to write and just hope everyone will go with it. And luckily, the book that I abandoned, I'm actually working on now. Wow. So it's a happy ending. <laughs> you didn't actually throw it away. You're not one of these people who does actually rip things up and wipe discs and things like that? No, I would never do that. No, I keep every single word in a file called cuts. And when I'm panicked, there are parts from Max Tivoli that I cut that are in the story of a marriage mm. that um, 
just because it was a metaphor that I loved that didn't work in that book that I remembered, and, and it fit this one. Andrew Greer, tell us about the story of a marriage. First of all, what does a young American gentleman know about marriage? Well, <laughs> what, do we, what do any of us know about marriage? I, I think I'm at the point in my life, I think this is why I picked this book. It's not the getting married point anymore. That's when you're in your early 30s. I'm almost 40. I'm at the getting divorced point. And it's been very interesting to me to see all these couples that I thought were together forever. It's suddenly everything changes. And the day before they were saying, oh, it's going to be wonderful. We're planning this trip. The next day they say it was over for years. And and you think something's going on they weren't telling themselves or us. And it began to intrigue me. And it must be why I started on the book. I mean, the book itself is based on a story my grandmother told me um, when about 10 years ago, about when she was young wife in her 50s, and a young man came to her. This is in rural Kentucky, the rural South. She was very poor. And a young man came to her, and he said that he was her husband's lover in World War II, my grandfather's lover, and he wanted to leave with my grandfather. And uh, she said, you know, get out of here. I never want to see you again. But the way she would tell the story and the story's probably invented, probably a lie. My grandmother was a wonderful, crazy, loony storyteller. My dad hates it when I talk about this on the radio. What was interesting was that she, she would tell the story, and she would say, I wish I could have figured out a way to be a woman living alone at that time. It was an opportunity, in a way, for her, um, because she had to stay with my grandfather all those years, and they never talked about it. But for her, a woman in 1953 with two children never had worked in the rural South. There was no way, and that interested me a woman's position to have no choices. I wanted to know about Purley and from where she comes from, and obviously your grandmother has had a great influence on you there, but also going from the perspective of a male and then writing from the perspective of a woman, but not only a woman of our times, but a woman in the 50s. That's quite a jump. How did you go about getting in, you know, under the skin of, that, of Purley? Well, I would say that the, the Purley is, is now nothing like my grandmother, well, in all kinds of obvious ways. I think what I mostly did was I, I left my grandmother aside because uh, she was a very particular case. And, um, and I, I read the newspaper at the time, and I sort of just dove straight into the time period and then tried to think, once I was in there, uh, what it would be like. I mean, the whole job of fiction is to write as someone, not yourself. I don't have any autobiographical urge. It's not that for other writers. So the fun of it, the challenge of it, the part that's maddening and keeps you awake at night is to try to get this character right. And at a certain point, it's not about the history or writing as a woman or anything. You're just so obsessed with this character and that you haven't seen some part of her yet. And just the actual words she would use to tell the story is the part you think about the most. Those words that she used in the 50s, of course, are quite, well, you know, that's a long time ago, 50 years ago now, 60 years ago almost. And everything that was going on around her, of course, actually being able to incorporate all of that into this particular character. How does one do that? How does one actually find the sort of dialogue that Purley would have and talk about and, and react? And, and I mean, people don't talk the same way. Well, a lot of it was very difficult. Luckily, I had the, the trick is that she's telling the story in retrospect. So I'm able to use a lot of language mm. that she probably wouldn't have told the story that way at the time. I'm, she's a much more educated, older woman. And so I got to use 
that language. I did sort of pay attention. I watched a lot of videos and movies and things, which is also, who knows if it's real. It's, it's the time zone fantasy of itself, the way newspapers are. I interviewed people. People in interviews got almost everything wrong once I fact-checked it. So I had to throw those interviews away. How did you go about finding them? Well, I found an 85-year-old woman who grew up in the Sunset District of San Francisco through the library. She was a library volunteer, um, which is where Pearlie lives, which is the, right on the ocean in San Francisco, very isolated. She was very helpful, except she did get things wrong. She would tell me that, oh, there weren't vegetable carts and tinkers and bread vans or anything like egg delivery. That, wasn't, that was the 30s, not the 50s. And she's dead wrong, because I, I know for a fact but people do this thing about history where they have compartments, and that was like the 30s, and the 40s was rationing in the war, and the 50s was prosperity, and that's exactly the story I was trying not to tell, was the sort of common history. And in fact, most people who have come up to me in readings, I've been terrified. I'm writing about a time period people lived through, remember, and they're not very old. Most women have come up and said, that was it. It was full of anxiety, and it was difficult, and thank God we're out of it which is, is sort of the story I always knew about the 50s. But a lot of people have been surprised, I think, at the specific stories I picked out of that time period. In that sentence at the beginning, we think we know the ones we love. You basically leave everything open, which means there's not really much that we can be sure about at all in life. Yeah, well, I think, well, this, the beginning sentence, was not my original beginning to the book, which is typical for a writer. It came after a panic moment of the novel when I was ready to throw it away, which happens every time. But I gave a draft of the novel to a friend of mine, to a children's book writer, Lemony Snicket. And he said I had made everything too pinned down and clear and obvious, and I had to embrace ambiguity. And so I rewrote the book, Embracing Ambiguity. And now the book is about ambiguity. I mean, that is really the center of it. And it gave me a sort of a, a way to talk about the book. But it is a little... The way it begins is a little terrifying, but it also kind of describes the way the book is going to be told. Mona Lisa, Mona Lisa. 